Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. It's marriage hour today on Trending, and whether you're married or not, there's much that we can learn about ourselves when it comes to God's vision for marriage. I've recently heard a little more from... Uh, People who are single and struggling with the fact you were single. And I get it. I have been there. I've been there with my friends. I've been there with family members. And I want to encourage you to not shy away from listening to the church's teaching on marriage, the beauty and the joy, because there is much to be learned, even if we are not called to marriage, even if we never find that person. And understanding the beautiful teaching on marriage as it helps to exude femininity, masculinity, and fortifying ourselves in the vision God has for each and every single one of us, whether male or female. So there's much to be gleaned from the church's teaching on marriage, even if you are married. Some of my favorite things to study before I was married, and even when I discerned religious life for a long season, was to look at marriage, look at what the church teaches, and see see this. And I challenge you to ponder this, that Jesus Christ, the inspired Word of God, the Holy Spirit, the author of all sacred scripture, inspired St. Paul in the letter to the Ephesians chapter 5 when he discusses marriage to give the analogy of husbands and wives in marriage and to compare that, to compare it so beautifully to the analogy of Christ in the church. And so when we look at marriage, we see the perfection of marriage in Jesus Christ. And when we realize as we've been walking through this Theology of the Body series that the perfection of the human person in heaven is not in a married state, that there's no giving in marriage or receiving a marriage, we don't have a marital status in heaven, we should realize that that pang of discomfort with sitting in that singleness, maybe feeling isolated and lonely, hating the church's teaching at time, perhaps on marriage, or not wanting to hear about marriage, we're actually doing ourselves a disservice When it comes to the truth and beauty of Catholic Church's teaching on marriage, which is for all of us, whether married or unmarried, that we can be built up in our current state in life. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. We are going to touch on a very sensitive topic today, and that is beauty. Beauty for women is one that we love beauty. We desire, we chase after beauty. Look at the whole cosmetic industry. But one area of beauty that particularly, usually, women start to feel sensitive about with time is the desire of men to see their wives as beautiful, to be done up or to present ourselves as beautiful to our husbands. So we're going to dive into why do men need their wives to be beautiful? And furthermore, what sort of effort and expectation should we have for ourselves as women to be beautiful for our husbands? If you have a story to share, ladies and gentlemen, 
to dive into this uncomfortable topic of beauty to better understand the male and female side of beauty. Number is 888-914-9149. Also today is the continuation of our Theology of the Body series. What is the mission of a man and the mission of a woman in marriage? And how do we see its perfection in Christ? We'll cover that. And also a licensed marriage and family therapist will join me in just a little bit to cover what is your spouse's greatest fear in marriage and how do we help them along as that struggle ensues during marriage and how it impacts the relationship. Joining me now is Devin Shad. Devin Shad is the founder of the Fathers of St. Joseph. You can find him at, uh, at fathersofstjoseph.com. He's also the author of a number of fantastic books. Joining me now, we are looking to this topic of beauty. I think we live at a sensitive time in society when it comes to beauty. We've always had beauty standards. If you read into ancient literature, beauty has always been at the core of conversations surrounding women. Whether they were silly styles or good styles, there was always an expectation of decorum, of presentation, that beauty was directly associated with women. Yet in a modern feminist mindset, I find many women reject the attributes of celebrating their beauty or being appreciated for their beauty and rather would like to be seen at times for their career, their academic achievements, the things they do in the workforce. And if there's any expectation that their husband hope that they present a beautiful landscape for them to see, there's discomfort, resentment even on the part of women. So let's reconcile these differences between men and women on the issue of beauty. What does this mean? Is beauty strictly superficial or is beauty also interior? Women want to be beautiful but are indignant when husbands expect their beauty. Why is there a paradox? Joining me now is Devin Shad, the founder from the founders of St. Joseph. Devin, can you help me understand from a male perspective, why is there a tension between spouses over beauty? Women go from being peacocks seeking out a spouse to suddenly they're married. And if there are any expectations or if there's pressure, there tends to be some level of resentment. Yeah. Yeah, that's well said. <clears throat> I think that um, one of the things that we we need to look at is that I think in our culture, a lot of times there is this there is this phenomenon right now where women tend to think that men are superficial, and especially wives often think that their husbands are superficial or shallow for wanting and desiring their wives to be beautiful or desiring to have a woman of beauty. And we have to ask ourselves, is that bad? <laughs> I mean, I think that the first question is, is, is that wrong of a man to want that? And I would contend, no, it's an authentic God-given need that God created beauty. God created sexual attraction and he created women to be beautiful. And he created men to long for that beauty. We see this in the creation account. When Adam is looking for that suitable partner and God finally gives him Eve, he says, at last, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And if we could translate that, he's saying, wow, I delight in her. She is amazing. Thank you, Lord. And if we look at the Song of Songs, when we have the lover who's writing this erotic love poetry about the beloved, his soon-to-be wife, he describes her thighs. He describes her navel. He describes her breasts often. And he speaks of her beauty in a very poetic way. And all of this is of God because God uses and created and designed 
the human analogy of sexuality, woman's beauty, especially to say something of him. And like you were saying just a minute ago, that Ephesians five analogy and the perfection of heaven and the marriage of heaven so that we can understand who God is and how he wants to be one with us. So yes, there's a tension. Men appear to be shallow and superficial, but I think that this is the way I know that this is the way that God has designed it. And there is a reason for this. So is it just external beauty or is it interior beauty? I think that yes, men are deeply attracted to a woman's external beauty, obviously, but there's another side to this. And it's very important. A woman can be externally gorgeous, aesthetically pleasing by all accounts, highly attractive, but because she flaunts it or she's narcissistic or she's rude or she's all about herself, she's vain, that external beauty becomes ugly. And I know that there are men who are enslaved to lust and they want women's beauty as an object of lust. But even if they get that woman that we just spoke of, they will resent her because she's vain and self-absorbed. And what that indicates is that initially, as Pope John Paul II says, we have this reflex toward women's external beauty, but that external beauty has been created to lead us to the beauty of our person expressed Mm -hmm. in and through her body because she's a touch point of the divine. She's a touch point of the beauty of God for us men. And so, so I think that if you were to ask men, Hey, if you had to be married to a woman for 40 years without escape, you know, you can't divorce her. You can't separate her. You can't even die. No affairs, nothing. (laughs) And you got two choices, a gorgeous woman whose person person is distasteful and painful to be with or with an adequately, moderately, physically attractive woman whose person is full of beauty, respect, and love, I suspect nine out of 10 guys would choose the latter. They would want the externally adequately beautiful woman, but the woman who exudes beauty from the internal through the external, not the empty, shallow, externally gorgeous babe. It's interesting you say this because I remember some years ago speaking at a university campus in Northern California, and I was talking to a group of young college men, and we were looking to this idea of beauty, and I was challenging them on what they considered beautiful and to see that what they deeply desire isn't exclusively exterior beauty, but interior beauty, and they're not mutually exclusive. In fact, I really do believe that beauty is a state of the person inside and out, and We see that when a person is virtuous, when they have a rightly ordered conscience, when they have a great sense of morality, of gentleness, of kindness, of generosity, that that exudes into their exterior appearance. And that's why I think what you just gave of that example of a man who would have a long life, a long marriage, and be happy in that marriage, they would be willing to sacrifice perhaps some of the element of overly focusing on the exterior beauty of a person. I saw that with these young men. I said, have you ever met a woman where you see her, wow, she is just drop dead gorgeous, but then you get to know her and you are repulsed by her, by her behavior, by the way she comports herself. And it was so funny because it was a group of college age young men, let's say 18 to 25 ish. And they're like, "Uh uh-huh. Like they, they had more of a visceral reaction to this idea of 
someone who's exteriorly beautiful being interiorly hideous than they did to, oh yeah, salivating over the idea of a beautiful woman. And that brings me, if you have an opinion or a thought on this topic, because we're trying to reconcile understanding the male and female version of understanding beauty, especially the beauty of a woman. Our toll-free line is 888-914-9149. It's sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters Life Insurance. Now, Devin, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding with beauty. I think sometimes women struggle in that we see a culture that is very pornographic and men are often looked at as rampant pigs in a certain respect when it comes to beauty. And I think women sometimes feel frustrated thinking you just want to consume all things that are beautiful rather than love what is beautiful. And I think that's a real big part of this conversation is women having a greater understanding of this God-given desire of men for beauty, but also women needing to feel secure in a man's love in order to give herself and her beauty to a man. Can you touch on why you believe beauty is so important for men and how it's a God-given desire? Yeah, so I think you're right. Men, um, we are I guess, instinctually desirous of beauty to the point where it appears like we want to consume it. And the definite disordered version of this is pornography or lust or affairs and things like that. However, <clears throat> what is a, what is a, a man want? He wants, so I think that with the beauty, there is something about it that the man desires. So like we were talking about nature. Why can't a man just love a sunset? Why can't a man just love a river or mountains? He, he can find that beauty in there. But there is something about the woman because she's made in the image of God that for him, it expresses something altogether astounding. It's so far beyond nature. And he feels like as though he is actually encountering something of the divine expression through a woman. Okay. But so I think that why is it that guys desire beauty? Well, yes, instinctively, we're, we're hardwired that way. But I think more importantly, we want the woman in our lives to be beautiful for us and express that beauty to us, reveal that beauty to us, because that speaks of respect, that speaks of expectation, and that speaks of trust. So when my wife... Uh, dresses up for me when she wants when she looks beautiful when we go on a date when when she also reveals herself to me intimately it it speaks of admiration it speaks of respect it speaks of honor but it also speaks of trust she trusts me she trusts that i will see her that i will affirm her that i will not objectify her but i will receive her and all that and and when that happens in a relationship, the relationship just ascends. It, it moves to a whole new level. And in fact, oftentimes as we age, that intimacy and that level of trust, even though we're aging and our external beauty is fading, the beauty actually increases because of the trust and the exchange of persons and the self-giving love. So it's a paradox. So yes, we age and there's stretch marks and there's wrinkles and blemishes and weight gain and all of that. But yet when a, when a wife is giving herself to her husband in that way, she's be tr attempting to be beautiful and expressing that beauty and adorning herself for him, he feels loved. He feels respected. And that is precisely his core need is to be respected.
So you're connecting the desire for a man to see his wife as beautiful with the idea of respect. And I think this is really interesting because it's a matter of honor. I think we've lost the honor culture that used to be part of our past. It's virtuous. And that is to be good stewards of what we have, to be good stewards in relationship. It's also to pay our respects, to pay our due toward others. In a certain respect, I think it's a matter of justice when it comes to marriage. <laughs> yes. That in, yes. if you know the Catholic Church's depiction of what justice is, it's giving others their due. And within marriage, we make a marital commitment to our spouse. And we see in Ephesians chapter 5, which coincidentally we'll be diving into later today, where God talks about how husbands Husbands are to love their wives as their own body. And I think part of that is seeing that understanding that husbands want to admire and love their wives and have this sense of respect and self-care. And that's why we'll dive into some of the concrete elements of beauty. But one topic I'm hearing a lot of, and people have been calling in on this, Patty in Chicago and others have recently commented over the last few minutes, that women are often perceived as just vain. If it's someone who's beautiful, they're often kind of just looked at as vain. And sometimes that's really difficult for women when maybe perhaps more so in the Christian world, but not just in the Christian world, women are ignored for their beauty. And some, I think, because of that even might hide it or reject it if they're either objectified for their beauty or just judged for their beauty as vain. Absolutely. I, I know women who are beautiful and other women are jealous or envious of that beauty. And, and they, there is this guilt complex of, I don't want to appear too beautiful, or I'm almost ashamed of my beauty. Yes, that's, that's truly a reality, believe it or not. On the other hand, though, I think, you know, humility is truth. And become who you are, and you'll set the world ablaze. Be yourself and be beautiful. And don't be afraid of adorning yourself with beauty for your husband, because that's humility. That's truth. And like you were saying, that's justice, distributive justice, actually, and communal justice, as St. Thomas Aquinas would point out. So there's a matter of justice here. But I think that <clears throat> just as women uh, can be you know, perceived inappropriately as being vain for being beautiful, I think that men also can be uh, looked upon as being superficial or shallow mm. or hollow because they want their wives to be beautiful, okay? And I think wives can often become indignant. I, I think this is a huge mm. paradoxical tension because a wife will often contend that her husband is so superficial and is only focused on externals and that he should love her for her internal beauty. But however, a lot of times her lack of effort externally reveals and demonstrates her internal reality that she mm. could care less about being beautiful for him. And I, and I think this is very important and I'm not accusing anyone of anything, but I think women can ask themselves, why should ask themselves, is my husband really shallow or am I communicating my lack of attentiveness to his need for my beauty in and through my body? Because mm -hmm. this is something, believe it or not, he owes his wife, his strength his strength to overcome lust, his strength to be emotionally sound for her, his strength to protect her, his strength to provide for her. But she also owes him her beauty, her, her effort to mm -hmm. say, I love you and I respect you and I honor you with myself. This mm -hmm. is very important. Mm -hmm. you know, at the same time, I think there's the 
abuse of that that a lot of women today are experiencing because of a rather pornographic and objectifying culture. Mm-hmm. Mary's on the line from Chicago, Illinois, wants to share her story. Mary, welcome to Trending. What are your thoughts on this topic of beauty and what's your story? I was married for a very long time, uh, for 38 years. And um, I have always like really, um, I, I am very pretty. I don't want to be pretty. I am pretty and I recognize that. And as, I don't know, as time goes on, you don't, I got married <laughs> and did not realize that that's why my husband married me. My husband was a policeman and he was abusive and he was uh, totally in charge. And I was at the other end of the spectrum that I'm Catholic. And my mission here is for us to get through life together and for both of us to be uh, sacramentally together for both of us to be loving Christ and praying together and loving together. And he was totally not, I mean, he, he would pretend that he was on the same page and he would pretend for a short period of time that we would pray together and we would do things together. But then it got to the, it very shortly would be just such lust and Mm-hmm. disgust that I could not even, I could not even look at him because it was so disgusting. And I just mm-hmm. never wanted to be pretty. I don't, mm-hmm. I mean, it was such a crutch to be mm-hmm. pleasant, to be looked at. I wanted to be looked at as his wife. I wanted to be looked at as a partner that was going to achieve heaven together. And it just, it never occurred. He, he, he left. Mm-hmm. Uh, after, you know, like I said, 38, 38 years. And I mean, it, it's a blessing that he left because I am now 10 years later becoming whole again because it is, it, it can't, I can't tell you how much it damages your soul to be, to be looked at as a object of only mm-hmm. pleasure. And um, it's real. It, it is real. Yeah. <laughs> Mary, um, your anyway. test to Mary, I appreciate your testimony. You wanted to be seen for more than your exterior beauty, and that's a good thing. That's that desire ultimately to be known by God and to be delighted in for your entirety of your person. Shame on him for missing the beauty of your entire person and your wonderful desire as you shared to be holy and faith filled as a wife and as a mother. Devin, your thoughts. Well, Mary, I just want to say to you that I can feel your pain. I mean, I just I just hear your voice and I can feel the pain. It's very real. I also want to say that that man, I'm ashamed of that man. As a male on behalf of men, uh, I, I'm ashamed of him because truly um, <clears throat> the external beauty is supposed to lead us into the interior person. It's supposed to express the interior person. We're come, supposed to come to love that interior person. And when we remain on the outside, it's dead. It's dead. But I will say this. This is very important. He never gave you what you really long for, which is to be secure in love. And, and because of that, you always felt unsafe. 
and you had full right to disdain him. You had full mm-hmm. right to not want to give yourself back to him properly because, because frankly, that was a justice that is not owed at that point because he's being a tyrannical, abusive husband. But I will say this, Mary, you cannot and you should not disregard your beauty, external and internal, because you are a body, soul, you are a complete person, and God made you that way. And I, I'm just encouraging you to, I, 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 it pains me to hear you say that you don't want to be pretty. I think it'd be more appropriate for you to say, thank God that I am beautiful. Thank you, God, that I can be beautiful externally, internally to bring you glory. And just because this man abused that does not take that away, you know, and, and, and keep in mind that in the end, when you meet Jesus Christ, the divine bridegroom face to face, he is going to look upon you. The king desires your beauty and he's going to look upon you and he's going to see through your external because you'll be resurrected a body, soul, person. He's going to look in and through that body and see you. And for the first time in your life, for the first time in your life, there will be no shame in you. There'll be no resistance and you will be loved and you will come to love your own beauty. Hmm. Beautifully put, Devin. Mary, Thank you for sharing your story and for showing the flip side to this challenge of beauty in our culture and how it can be distorted by us as women, but it can also be distorted by men. And we're going to come back with Devin Shaw from the Fathers of St. Joseph. You can find him at fathersofstjoseph.org. We'll be back in a moment diving deeper into the topic of beauty. What sort of effort and expectation should we have of ourselves as women to be beautiful for our husbands? And how can this beauty be rightly ordered and appreciated by husbands? So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. What is your spouse's greatest need? Where it's all about needs and roles in marriage. The marriage hour today on Trending. And you're not married. You may not ever be married. That's okay. When we look at the church's teaching on marriage, when we dive into the psychology of male and female roles and the icon we see of marriage within the context of the Holy Family, within God, we have the opportunity to work on the perfection of our femininity, masculinity, and virtue. So you don't need to be married. I loved studying marriage long before I got married, even when I spent a season discerning religious life. And so sometimes there are topics that are maybe sensitive for some people when they say, wow, I'm not married. I'm feeling really single. And it's annoying to sometimes hear the church's teaching on marriage. But I think the beautiful thing of looking at the church's teaching on marriage is that it really is a representation of the life-giving, self-giving love of Jesus Christ. And even if we are not married, we're called to embody those sacrificial relationships in our day-to-day interactions. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. I'm joined now by Devin Shad from The Found He's the founder of the Fathers of St. Joseph and a Catholic author. We're 
focusing on the topic of beauty, why men so deeply desire a wife's beauty. We've covered that, and I want to dive into some of the practical sides of it. What sort of effort and expectation should we have of ourselves as women to be beautiful for our husbands? But before we get into the practical, because I know this is a sensitive topic, Devin, how can beauty be rightly ordered and appreciated by husbands? If a man is struggling to appreciate the beauty of his wife in a way that loves her, how can he work to overcome lust and truly see her as the creature that God created her to be, beauty and all? Wow. Uh, well, I think Pope John Paul II had on 29 catechetical addresses <laughs> to answer that question, but it's a huge one. But I, I think that we must. I, I think that it's incumbent on us men to love our wives and not lust after them. And, and so how do we do that? <laughs> well, that's a great question. I think that the first thing we need to do is we need to do our best to see that there's a real person being expressed in and through that body. And that's, that's why Mary's story just really just kind of tears me up. And I, I become not only um, disheartened and saddened for Mary, but I also become a little bit indignant and enraged and angry for her, but also for our Lord, because God has created marriage to be this attraction between men and women. I think women are attracted to men's strength, you know, for a great deal of what men bring to the table. That strength is so admirable if it's done, if it's shown properly and given properly. And men are are deeply attracted to women's beauty and their emotional side. Okay, but. And all of that is a complementarity and an attraction that calls us to one another, but ultimately speaks of the attraction of the Trinity and the self-giving love, that complementarity that leads to communion. But when we have a lustful, tyrannical, abusive man, he maligns and distorts God's plan. And that just frustrates me because it, it, it shifts the whole discussion away from what God is doing to how we screw it up, right? Mm-hmm. And it breaks my heart that poor Mary has to be a victim of this. So what can we as men do to overcome our lust? What did I do? Well, I'm just going to get super practical here. The first thing is you have to admit that you got a problem. You know, I mean, I remember when my wife gave birth to our third daughter, Anna Marie, special needs situation. She was on life support, all this. And because of the emergency C-section, my wife was not able to become pregnant for at least a year. And then that led to a great deal of abstinence and prolonged abstinence. And then the, it became several years. But what it, what it did for me was it allowed me to come face to face with the fact that I lusted. That I not only lusted in general, but I lusted particularly for my wife. And that was a huge a, awakening, a huge problem. <clears throat> and so... Because of that, I recognized that I didn't love her in the way that she needed to be loved. Now, this is where it gets extremely practical. And I know that a lot of people who are not very spiritual will say, well, you know what? That's good for you, but that's not good for me. But I'm just telling you this, men. If you want to love a woman like like a real man, you need to have the real man in you, which is Jesus Christ. And the way to get the real man in you is by first going man through the priest and confessing the fact that you wrestle with this. And if you have to do it repeatedly, which you will, 
you confess it and you humiliate yourself because humiliations lead to humility, as St. Francis de Sales tells us. But then not only that, you go to communion and you receive our Lord's body and blood, his flesh, which will strengthen your flesh, because he who abides in Christ abides in him. Christ will abide in him. And Christ will give us the supernatural strength to love the bride, our brides, as he loved the bride, which is, this is my body given up for you. Romans 12, 1 calls to offer our bodies as a holy living sacrifice to the Lord. And St. Paul adds, this is your spiritual worship. How do we worship God in action? By laying down our lusts, laying down the carnal desires of our flesh for our wives. And I remember specifically, I think I've told this story before, but I remember I was going through this and I was like, I am going to do this for you, Lord. I'm going to do this for my wife. And I began to pray, you know, when I start to lust, this is my body given up for you. I pray that for my wife, right? And I, I learned a big lesson in that. Don't ever pray that prayer out loud on your bed next to your wife, you know? But the point I'm trying to make here <laughs> is that this is what we are called to do as men. And this is, and then this is the flip side on it. I think a lot of guys will say, but you're taking away my freedom. You're taking away actually my ability to be a man and feel like a man. Well, I can tell you this. I know from experience that lust and pornography and all that stuff, you might feel like a man, but you know deep down, just like I did, that you're a boy trapped in a man's body. And the freedom on the other side of being able to love a woman rightly and to sacrifice yourself for her is so unbelievable because you are free. You are free. You are free to love. And you know what happens when you're free to love? You give that love away without expecting anything in return. And then what happens is you actually get something in return. True love. The woman wants to reciprocate mm -hmm. that love. She wants to give herself freely in return because she trusts you. She believes in you because you are a real man. It's a powerful challenge and invitation to men, but it's ultimately the bomb of healing that's needed, I believe, in many marriages. And this is where I want to kind of turn the tables here. While we've seen this challenge toward men with overcoming that distortion, this disorientation of marriage, let's turn to concrete things we can do as women, things to consider. I know for some, this might come as second nature and natural for others. Uh, the need of our husbands to see their wives is beautiful, has become a topic of resentment. What sort of effort and expectations, Devin, should we have of ourselves as women to be beautiful for our husbands? Like, what's the baseline? And is it really as high of an expectation as we might think as many women kind of just implode and give up? Yeah, I think the world places impossible expectations on women. I mean, the impossible standard that women are conditioned by that they have to evaluate themselves by the 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 model who is literally painted and airbrushed and cut up cover up her freckles and to look tan and and you know the the photoshop it clips off literally half of an arm so the arm looks super skinny and the legs and the inner thighs and all that and you know all of this stuff that we're doing to create this impossible false reality that women think they need to measure up to in order to be noticed. Now, I wanna tell you, just from a man's perspective, as a man, I can tell you, deep down, we men don't care about that BS. That, 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 is, that is not our reality, that is not important to us. What is essential to us is this, that the wife that God gave to us, the woman that is ours, expresses her beauty to us by doing three things. First, adorning herself occasionally and intentionally, purposely 
for us. This communicates to him, wow, she still loves me. She still thinks I'm important. So adorning herself occasionally and purposely. The second is revealing that beauty. That is it, unveiling herself, so to speak, without having to be asked. Okay, now in Mary's situation, this does not apply. Okay, mm-hmm. in abusive relationships, none of this applies. Sorry, it just can't. But in a, in a relationship that's building toward that model of Christ and his church, mystical union, all of that, this totally applies. By revealing that beauty without having to ask, that is undressing for him because it releases all sorts of bonding chemicals in his brain. It says, she trusts me. She trusts herself to me. She trusts that I won't objectify or use her, that she really believes that I'm going to love her. And third, um, she just needs to care about her body and as though she's caring for her husband. Because a lot of times, you know, uh, women, you know, men do this too. We let ourselves go. And either way, it sends the message to our spouse that, wow, he, he really doesn't care anymore for me. So I, I just want to make this point. Women, the man that you married on your wedding day is still deeply attracted to you. But, but he wants to know that he is worthy of your effort, that you want to be beautiful for him specifically. Okay. And I'm not talking about the porn addict and, you know, the lustful man here. I'm talking about the man who's really trying. Mm. I think these are encouraging challenges for him. And, and I love that you say, Devin, that men are looking for occasional adornment, not perfectionism. And I think in a culture we live in where beauty standards are so high, so unrealistic, literally unrealistic. You can never compare to what we see online today, both personal photos that people edit, but also what we see in movies and pornography, that all of it is digitally enhanced with CGI and AI, creating literally not even real human beings. And so that idea of perfectionism that I think so many women struggle with of if I can't do it all and do it perfectly, well, why do anything at all? Or I don't have time. I'm serial dieting. I have children. It takes time. When you point to that occasional adornment, that idea of effort, that you're not asking a lot. You're asking, okay, take good care of yourself. It makes me turn to the teaching Pope St. John Paul II and of St. Paul in Ephesians, where husbands are called to love their wives as their own body. And I think there's that expectation, as you're saying, that we shouldn't be asking other people to do something we ourselves aren't willing to do. So I appreciate that you call men out, too, on having a sense of responsibility for being good stewards for your bodies as well, but also while appreciating that God-given desire of men to see their wives as beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, let's just let's just face it. I, I, I think that a husband just wants his wife to apply reasonable effort to care for herself because when she cares for herself, she's communicating that she cares for him. And unfortunately the common lament among married men is, well, you know, we got married and she got what she wanted, you know, she's provided for her and protected. And after that, she kind of stopped trying and, and that communicates to him that she doesn't respect me, you know? And I think that like in defense of men, like husbands who are really trying, we don't need another woman, <laughs> you know, we don't need another woman's beauty. We want, I, I want my woman. I want my wife's beauty. 
I marry her. I love her. I want her. And this is how I believe most husbands who are trying, this is how they feel. Husbands are reasonable. We're not stupid. We, we understand that there's a shift in hormones. We understand that childbirth and stress of family and aging and stress in general takes its toll on the human body, right? And so we don't expect our wives to physically function at the level of when they were 18 or 21. But this is important. When she exercises, when she eats right, when she cares for herself, these actions communicate to him, wow, I'm worth the effort. She still wants to please me. And this is, for me, and for a lot of guys, this is very attractive. I love this testimony, and it helps us to come together, understanding the differences between men and women, the approach to everything from beauty to sexuality. That's Devin Shad from the Fathers of St. Joseph. You can find him and his work, along with many of his books, at fathersofstjoseph.org. Alex called, as we're talking about the issue of beauty and men's distor- distortion of beauty, he said, I agree that men shouldn't watch porn. He shared, I'm 106 days sober from pornography. Praise God, Alex. I'm praying for you, and you're in encouragement to other men who are struggling with the real horrific reality of pornography and reorienting yourself to Christ and the beauty and orientation of marital love. I'm praying for you, Alex. We'll add you to our prayers here at Relevant Radio. And if you're struggling with pornography, check out integrityrestored.org. That's integrityrestored.org. is a great resource to overcome that addiction and approach it from a faith-filled perspective. You're listening to Trending with Tim Murray here on Relevant Radio. Coming up next, we're going to look at meeting your spouse's needs and marriage. It's our marriage hour today on Trending. Doug Hinder will join me in just a moment. If you have a marriage question for a licensed marriage and family therapist, Doug Hinder, the number is 888-914-9149. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. The marriage hour today on Trending. Joining me now is Doug Hinder. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist. And I don't know about you, but every marriage has its needs and it has its fears. And it's important that we're addressing our fears and needs and knowing what they are within marriage. So, Doug, thanks for joining us. If you have a question for Doug, a licensed marriage and family therapist, it's free advice on your relationship. The number is 888-914-9149. Doug, what is a spouse's greatest fear in marriage and how do we address them? Sure. It's good to be with you, Timory. Thanks for having me on. I, for men, generally, the greatest need is, we were talking needs or fears here, I, but the greatest need is respect uh, and for a man, and the greatest fear for a man uh, is failure. And so, and for a woman, the greatest need is love, and the greatest fear is abandonment. So, if we look at respect and love, you know, this comes from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, fifth chapter, where he says, husbands, love your wives wives respect your husband. So he makes a distinction there. And so here we are 2000 years later, and there's research out there that says St. Paul was right. Well, (laughs) you know, he was St. Paul, right? So of course he was right. And so I think it's important, right, for the wives to keep in mind uh, how they 
talk to their husbands and how they treat their husbands, especially in front of others and especially in front of the children, right? So not good to to speak to your husband in a way that's disrespectful, especially if the children are present, because they'll start to imitate that. And for for men, it's really critical to um, always treat your wives with tenderness and with love and never, never, uh, you know, be a cause of them being embarrassed or losing face in front of others. So gentleness and kindness from husbands and kind words that protect a husband's ego from the women. I recently heard a story of a family had seven children, seemingly a great marriage. Their kids are all grown now. They used to pray daily rosary together as a family, even on their knees. But none of the kids practice their faith as adults. Mm. And even though the parents are still practicing their faith, it was interesting what came out was that the wife always undermined her husband when he'd speak, Mm. when he'd discipline the kids. There was always some level of undermining. So although they were going through all these great faith-filled emotions, that component of respect was missing. Now, Doug, I think that we as women struggle with this in a radical feminist culture that says, women, you wear the pants. Women, you take control of your lives. And I think naturally, as women, we tend to pick up the pieces and just keep going in a motion of getting things done that maybe we miss the bulldozing that we do to our husbands. Can you speak to maybe some concrete ways we can work on this as women in respecting and honoring our spouse? Yeah. And I, you know what? I think this this goes back to Adam and Eve, right? Where mm-hmm. after the fall, God said to Eve, you know, your desire will be for your husband, but he will lord it over you, right? And so this tension between who's in charge goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And um, so I think, you know, speak for, for the wife to speak kindly, to to praise the husband, to have his back when he's disciplining the children, even if he's got it wrong not to correct him in front of the children, but wait until afterward and then have a conversation with him. So, um, and then, you know, consult the the husband, keep, keep the husband informed of what's going on and stay away from especially uh, name calling or anything that would devalue him or cause him to lose faith or face in front of others. So concrete examples, consulting your spouse, not contradicting in front of other people. I think these are great key things to work on. Now, on the flip side, you mentioned husband's greatest fear is failure. Uh, Do we lead our husbands to feel like a failure at home where they're chasing respect in other places outside of the home today? Sure. And I think, yeah, which is the reason why men don't handle criticism well, okay? Uh, (laughs) Because then it means we failed. And so a wife who tends to be more critical, who might have a bit more of a critical spirit, is very difficult for a husband to live with because he's constantly being made to feel like a failure. And so, you know, corrections from a wife, I mean, that's part of your job is to keep us in the right place. God created Eve to help Adam to be the helpmate. And that's what wives are supposed to do for us is help us because left to our own devices, we're going to get it wrong a lot. Um but compliments, uh, forgive us when we get it wrong, when we screw it up, compliment us when we do something right. And, you know, find a way to, to accept our defects. You know, for instance, you know, if I forget to pick up the milk on the way home from work, if my wife says, you know, that's okay, you've got a lot on your mind. Don't worry about it. I'll go get the milk. Man, that, that, I know I messed up by forgetting to pick up the milk, but when my wife says, that's okay, 
I know you got a lot on your mind. That makes me feel good and appreciated uh, and admired by my wife. So those kinds of things are really important. It reminds me of how many women I think are shaped to have perhaps critical spirits or be type A. We talk a lot about type A personalities, especially in women, yet you give these concrete examples as women to tone that down, to compliment your spouse, to build them up, to accept defects. And it reminds me of the words of St. Paul to encourage one another while it's still today that we have this opportunity. Now, touch on wife's greatest fear of abandonment, because I think this is very prevalent today in the divorce culture that we live in. And just looking at rates of spousal abandonment today, how does a husband in a good marriage help his wife to feel secure in his love for her? Yeah, great. And, you know, this goes back, I think, to the Garden of Eden as well, right, where God created Eve to be the helpmate. And when us men push our wives aside, when we don't include them in the decisions, when we don't include or consider their needs, we push them aside and leave them feeling lonely. And which is loneliness is perhaps the most painful of all the emotions. And so it's it's incumbent upon us men to involve our wives in the decisions around the house, to ask them, hey, what do you think we should do in this instance? You know, what? Uh, tell me your thinking on this situation with this child or what we should do on the weekend or how we should regulate the TV use. What do you really think about this? Uh, and because and, your opinion is really important to me. And so, and to, you know, and to spoil our wives, you, you never want to leave a wife lonely. And I, there was a couple I was working with a few years back and the wife had had actually a couple of affairs. And in the very first session, the husband said to me, this is partly my fault because I left her lonely. I stopped taking care of her. I focused on my job, making the money, coaching my kids' sports teams. I'm involved in every committee at church. I was taking care of everybody but my wife. Mm -hmm. I left her lonely and I left her vulnerable. And so uh, we need to spoil our wives and make sure they know they are the single most important thing in our world. It reminds me even of the perspective of like creating that philosophical idea of the overman, the superman, that I think men are built up, like be this powerful individual, have influence, but often we miss the greatest influence we can have is within our own homes. And when we leave our spouses without meeting their most fundamental need within marriage, it can actually leave us in a certain respect as a failure, even though seemingly on the outside, we are successful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think... You know, a lot of the work I do with couples, uh, they're, they're no longer feeling close to each other. They're not taking care of their needs. The husband isn't feeling respected. The wife is not feeling loved. And so they're just, they drift apart because why do I want to be around you if I don't think you love me? Or if every time I'm around you, you criticize me or point out what's wrong with me, I, I want to stay away from you because you're kind of dangerous now to my heart. And so it's really important. I mean, these basic, you know, these things we learned in kindergarten, you know, please and thank you, be polite and be concerned with other people's uh, uh, emotions is really important in marriage. That's a Doug Hinder, licensed marriage and family therapist, diving into the core needs we have within marriage. It, just to summarize that need of women to be loved and that fear of abandonment and for husbands, the need to be respected and the fear of being considered a failure. It's work and encouragement for us looking at these concrete steps to grow. I love your work, Doug. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about some of your great courses on sure, marriage I'm at happymarriageforlife.com, happymarriageforlife.com. 
That's happymarriageforlife.com. That's Doug Hinder, a licensed marriage and family therapist here on Relevant Radio. Have a great weekend. Up next is a family rosary across America with Father Rocky.